I'm going to invite you to turn to Ephesians chapter 6. And we're going to um, return to, and, and probably in many ways, uh, wrap up our sermon series, A Worthy Pursuit. I'm not for sure certain we're going to saying. I think we're going to wrap up um, Worthy Pursuit. Uh, but last week, wasn't last Sunday a lot of fun? Having the celebration, uh, I got to tell you, I was over the moon seeing everyone. I, you could probably tell even in my interaction, even from preaching, I was watching. I'm like, hey, there's a little bit of an extra step there. Um, it was just a wonderful time being together. I wanted to give a shout out to everyone. I'm not sure if I did that last week, so I want to make sure that I do that. Thank you to each of you who uh, contributed in all the different ways. Uh, some gave even donations to help cover some costs. You know who you are, uh, so I thank you. I deeply thank you. Um, you know, this church in, in such a young infancy is tremendously generous. And I, I, you know, I hold no punches to that regard. It is so true. I was telling my colleague this week, you know, when looking back at a year, he said, what are some of the things you look back and go, wow. So, well, there's so many things. But I think the big one for me was the generosity, not just financially, don't misunderstand me, I mean in all-encompassing the generosity of the people, uh, you who are here, plugging in and getting involved in so many different ways. My one um, key mentor in my life said, I'm impressed even how many personnel you have in different areas from setup, from kids to sound, media, to worship. Um, you know, one of my buddies pastors a church in, in the States, Dream City in Arizona. And I mean, they're a mega church. Um, but when you look and see the different people they have plugged in, he, he, and he gave a good word of encouragement. He goes, you guys rival us in a good way. You rival us in the devotion and even when it comes to musicianship and uh, serving. So thank you. Thank you. People notice. And so I just want to thank you for that. Thank you so much. Um, so we're going to continue on, and you know, last week, the word as we looked at it, I don't know about you, but I found it so encouraging for the week and realizing, hey, when I invite Jesus into my space, when I invite him into the room and say, come Lord Jesus, his presence changes everything. Do you believe that? When we invite him in, you know, heaven intersects. And that's what we were looking at last week. And so today I want you to keep that in the back of your mind that through Jesus, in Jesus, this divine procurement has been established. There's this river that the Bible talks about, this river flowing from the tree of life, the tree of life flowing in our direction in many respects. This symbolism, this wonderful accomplishment of what Christ has done so that that divine grace, that divine mercy flows towards us here and now. And so today as we turn to Ephesians chapter 6, keep in mind that as we step into this world, all of us have different places and spaces that we step into. In many respects, we are still on the front lines. We're in the battle zone. And yet Jesus will give us everything we need in that battle. Look at John chapter 14, verse 11 through 14, and I've tried my best to make sure we have all the verses um, ready to go on the screen. John chapter 14, verse 11 to 14 says, Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. Otherwise, believe because the works themselves. Truly I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do. 
and he will do even greater works than these because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, I will do it so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. This is very similar to last week. Mary comes to Jesus. They've run out of wine and she comes to him because she knows who she's talking to. She knows what he's capable of. She knows the power that flows through him. The revealed glory of the Father is in Christ. And so now here before Jesus ascends to heaven, he says, now you are going to do as I did and even more. Ask in my name. And so in many ways, here's an invitation for us yet again, an invitation to tap in to that resource, an invitation to approach him in prayer and take him at his word. And so in many respects, the ongoing point here is that in prayer, we further engage his life-giving presence. In prayer, we further engage his life-giving presence presence. Check out Ephesians chapter 2 verse 18. It says, for through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. And so today's title is prayer is our offensive weapon that thwarts the enemy. How many of you here today like to, in all you know, lack of better word, tick off the enemy? <laughs> You know, he, he's, he's active. He's not omnipresent, but he is active. Make no mistake. We know he's active. We know the, the flesh is weak. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And so he knows how to get us if we're not tapped into that divine resource. Prayer is our weapon that thwarts the enemy. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 says this. For although we live in the flesh, we do not wage war according to the flesh. Since the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but are powerful through God to demolish strongholds. Think about that for a second. Our God is a, demol a demolition expert. Like the ones who went and blew up Nanakoke, you know, generating station. He's able to demolish strongholds. That's what I like to think when I'm reading this, okay? I'm just being honest. We demolish arguments. Every proud thing that is raised up against the knowledge of God and we take every thought captive to obey Christ. Sometimes we don't realize that there's things in our lives that are trying to captivate us, but we're not ca calling out to it, telling it to be in submission to Christ. Here this verse, Paul's telling us, remember the weapons of our warfare are not like the world. We have to tap into the divine resource and that is essentially prayer. And so let's look at Ephesians chapter 6, 16 through 23. And I share those verses because it sets up, I believe, what Paul is emphasizing, going through the whole armor of God, after he lists all these pieces of defensive armor, he ties it all together with prayer. So Ephesians 6, verse 16, it says this, in every situation, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. 
take the helmet of the salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Pray at all times in the spirit with every prayer and request and stay alert with all perseverance and intercession for all the saints. Pray also for me that the message may be given to me when I open my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. For this, I'm an ambassador in chains. Pray that I might be bold enough to speak about it as I should. Tychius, I had to remember that one. Tychius, our dearly loved brother and faithful servant in the Lord, will tell you all the news about me so that you may be informed. I am sending him to you for this very reason, to let you know how we are and to encourage your hearts. Peace to the brothers and sisters and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Peace be with all who have undying love for our Lord Jesus Christ. Look at that last verse there. Grace be with all who have undying love for our Lord Jesus. Jesus Christ. In many respects, Paul is inviting us to engage in prayer. He's talking about this incredible grace that has been poured out, lavished upon us, that should cause us to respond in undying love. The response, undying love, not this, you know, standoffish kind of but just undying passion and resolve for the things of the Lord. And so he's showing us here with this armor that a prayer in faith, praying for one another, keeping alert, being persistent, will reap much fruit. And yet this spoke to me and said, you know, Andrew, how often do you pray? And I'm happy to report to you that I pray at least once a day. And yet, there could always be more. There could be more strategic, intentional prayer. You know, sometimes like you, my head hits the pillow, and when I'm almost passed out, I'll say, oh, thank you, God, for today. I'm out. We all do it, right? And so I made this point off of verse 18. Prayer is of strategic importance. We must be intentional. Prayer is of strategic importance. We must be intentional. Before he goes into prayer, he talks about the shield of faith, how important this shield is that we're able to, you know, repel the enemy's attack, but also extinguish the flaming arrows. What was interesting about these shields is they would douse them in water. They would be binded together with leather straps, doused in water, so that as the arrows were flying and hitting the shield one after one, as they're bracing every, you know, fiery dart, that the water would begin to extinguish these flaming arrows. But you know when the enemy was able to turn the tide, when the one became so overcome with the pressure of the onslaught of the attack that they forget this dousing, this life-giving water, if you will, and they put down their shield and, ah! I've been struck. 
This is an incredible visual of the shield of faith that we have that cannot be broken, cannot be penetrated. The life-giving water is flowing towards us and will extinguish every fiery arrow. The fire arrow that says, you're not saved enough, Tony, sorry. <laughs> the fiery arrow that says, you're not good enough. Grace is insufficient. But yet we know that it is. It says here in the very end, he says, Grace be with all of you who have an undying love for our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul's telling them, be prepared to stand. Look what he says in verse 13. For this reason, take up the full armor of God so that you may be able to resist in the evil day and having prepared everything to take your stand. The battles that we face, they require intentionality of resolve to stand in faith. I was thinking about some of those temptations. Like, what are some of those arrows? What are some of those fiery darts that we need to come to the Lord with in prayer? If you look out in today's landscape, out into the world, immorality in all of its color is so prevalent. The Bible calls it wickedness. Any form of immorality, any form, not just one specific group, any form is wickedness. And so we need the grace of God. We need that grace to wash over us. But it's more than just a cleansing detergent. Like when you smell really bad and you put on the deodorant, you're like, oh yeah, that smells good. But it's more than a detergent. It's this cleansing power that you're never the same. Prayer can combat this temptation when that arrow is flying. And I couldn't help but think and, and picture this. I'm a very visual person. Like, okay, I got my shield. Whoa, look at those arrows. And you're, you're repelling these arrows. And here we're told in Galatians 5, verse 16. Many of you know this verse. I say then, walk by the Spirit, and you will certainly not carry out the desire of the flesh. Live by the Spirit... Walk by the Spirit, and you will certainly not carry out the desire of the flesh. Prayer helps keep us in step. Like we pray, God, remove this thought from my mind, this thought that I know, this waywardness, this temptation. Remove it from my mind in Jesus' name. There's power in the name of Jesus. The, the writers in Scripture weren't kidding around when they said, at the name of Jesus, the demons must flee. But if you're dancing around the issue, if you're skirting around the issue, they're bringing the party, man. They're bringing all, all the party favors. They know if they get you in one, they're going to get you in the other. And this isn't meant as a condemnation message. This is meant as just saying we have the complete divine resource at our disposal, and we would tap into it. It's like the demolition is about to begin. Ah, you guys think you've won the battle. The timer's going down. And down comes... Down comes that temptation. Down comes that immorality. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. It's a good reminder for us all. It says this, whoever thinks he stands must be careful not to fall. There's an intentionality here. No temptation has come upon you except what is common to humanity. But God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able but with the temptation, he will also provide the way out 
so that you may be able to bear it. Look at that last line. But with temptation, he will provide the way out so that you may be able to bear it. Why use those words? Why say that you'll be able to bear it? We know in life there's consequences for our actions. It'd be amazing if he just said and came upon the minds, kind of like a Jedi mind trick, okay? A little bit of humor there, where there's no longer consequence in this world for our actions, but there are consequences. And I couldn't help but think of a quote from last week was, as we open ourselves up to Christ by way of faith, we run this risk of being transformed. He's going to shape us. He's going to pull us through those areas of temptation. How many of you love the fact that he's saying, hey, when you, when you falter, he's going to provide a way out. He's going to provide the way for you to do the right thing. One of the things I appreciate about the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians, and this is just firing from the hip. I don't have this in my notes. He had to write a second letter because in the first letter, they weren't getting everything right. There were some things they were making some missteps about different kind of things, relationships and so on. And so Paul writes them like one who has a fatherly concern and a fatherly love for his children in the faith. He's saying, I pray that before I even arrive, before I even come back to you, you'll do the right thing so that I can just, you know, hang out with you rather than bringing my apostle leadership. He didn't want to have to bring any further discipline. But he highlights for us understanding that we face difficulty. We face a determined enemy. And so in light of the armor that we have our disposal, we need to continually be alert and persistent in prayer because the devil is looking for our weak spots. He's looking for our blind side, like in football. If you don't have that special tackle, I'm not a football person, so forgive me, but there is a person on the line that's protecting the quarterback's blind spot. And if you look at reels, of, I think it was Joe Montana. He had a horrific injury because he didn't have someone protecting his blind side. Paul is saying here in verse 18, he says, pray at all times in the spirit with every prayer and request and stay alert with all perseverance and intercession for all the saints. Prayer isn't meant to be one dimensional. It's meant to encompass the family of God. We're meant to pray for each other. We're meant to watch each other's blind side. And so I'm, I'm so thankful for the people who have prayed in my life. Your prayers have, you know, developed fruit and they have made and created inroads in my life. Look what James tells us in chapter 4, verse 7. He says this, and you know this full well. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Sometimes we think that because of what Christ has done, that the devil is just, he's just gone. It's just a figment of our imagination. But that couldn't be further from the truth. He is active. He's working. Look how James, what he says about that aspect in context. He says this in verse one, James four, verse one. What is the source of wars and fights among you? Don't they come from your passions that wars war within you? You desire and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and wage war. You do not have because you 
do not ask. You ask and don't receive because you ask with wrong motives so that you may spend it on your pleasures. A lot of times we quote just that one little part of the verse. You have not because you ask not. There's a greater picture to this. Verse four, you adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hostility towards God? So whoever wants to be the friend of the world becomes the enemy of God. Or do you think it's without reason that the scripture says, the spirit he made to dwell in us envies intensely? but he gives greater grace. Remember that part. It's not meant for you to live in a place of condemnation, but to live in the ask, this reality of grace. But he gives greater grace than that condemnation. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So he says, therefore, in light of all this, knowing the root cause of the issues in our life, therefore, submit to God. So that river can flow. That divine grace can flow. Don't dam it up. Don't damn it up. Let the river flow, as the song says. Let the river flow. Submit to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Look at verse 10. Finally, be strengthened by the Lord and by his vast strength. I can think back to times in my life where there were temptations and I wish I could say, you know, I never succumbed to temptation. Like you, I, I have. And yet I can look back and remember the moment that I called out to the name of Jesus and asked for his will to be done in my life, his perfect pleasing will to be done in my life. He created those inroads. He, he, he worked around in that detour that I took myself. And he got me back on that narrow path. But that all came from praying, from taking that time to intentionally and strategically come before my heavenly Father who invites us to say, come to me, ask, and it'll be given to you. Luke 11, 9, 10 says this, so I say to you, this is Jesus, ask and it'll be given to you. Seek and you will find, knock and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receive, and the one who seeks, finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Sometimes we don't want what's behind door number one. No, Jesus, don't open that door. I know what's behind that door. I'm really comfortable right now at the party. <laughs> or so you think, until things start to get crazy. It's like the roller coaster I talked about many weeks ago. That's what the devil, he wants to get us on this roller coaster. Makes, wants to make you feel like you're having a good time. But then when you think the ride's over, you start to go backwards. It's like the bat at Wonderland. The first time I ever went on that roller coaster, man, did that thing terrify me. I'm thinking, yes, we're done. And we had to go again. Oh, my friends made me go on that ride. Trust dead. Okay. <laughs> what I love about this passage in light of what Paul's saying here in verse 18 about being alert and persistent is that God hears all our prayers. He hears your prayers. So he says, ask, and it'll be given to you. It's this invitation. You see what he's saying here? This invitation of this design, divine grace. And yet you might be here today and thinking, well, you know what? I appreciate that, but sometimes I experience delays. And this is something, I'm going to share a personal outlook on this. Okay, I believe it's backed up in Scripture, but I'm stressing. This is my personal take on this. Okay, we're all on the same page. Okay, <laughs> why the delay? 
We understand that God is sovereign, meaning he's working in in behind the scenes to accomplish his goodwill and purpose. He's going to work things like a master chess player, if you will, to bring things through. His word will not return void. And yet there are times where it's not his timing because of his sovereignty. It's not on the schedule for that breakthrough to come in that moment. But there is the other side. And I think for just a moment, if we were to look at all the other faiths and so-called faiths and religions in the world, that we would then realize, well, there can be delays and unanswered prayers when we're, like I said earlier, when we're damning it up or we're praying in the wrong direction. We're, we're trying to connect to the wrong uplink, like you're connecting to the wrong Wi-Fi. And what I mean by that is there are in the Christian realm of things, in the Christian faith, Many times we direct our prayers to the wrong person. There's times we may even hear people say, well, I, you know, I prayed to my, you know, father. I'm not, we're not talking about our heavenly father. I prayed to my earthly father who was departed and is now in heaven. And I prayed and, man, the breakthrough didn't come. Well, of course it didn't come to you because you're praying to the wrong person. It's like praying to Mary or praying to any of the other apostles or any of the other followers of Christ from the generations past. Granted, they're in heaven. The Bible says that they are one of the many clouds of witnesses. But the Bible is very, very clear. Not only in Acts 4.12, it says their salvation is found in no one else except in Jesus Christ. But there's only one in heaven who intercedes for us, who hears all our prayers. That's Jesus Christ. There's no way to skirt around that issue. You can only pray in Jesus' name to Jesus. Praying to Allah isn't going to work. Praying to Buddha isn't going to work. You might think like it's happening. We look at the world and people say, well, yeah, you know, I, I prayed to Buddha and, you know, I saw some breakthrough. Well, don't misunderstand that there are supernatural forces of evil at work and they want to trick you and deceive you that you're, you're tuning into the right voices. But only Jesus brings real peace into your life. Hebrews 7.25 says this, Therefore, he, he's talking about Jesus, is able to save completely those who come to God through him, since he always lives to intercede for them. So a follow-up point is this. To whom we pray is as important as what we pray. To who we pray, to whom we pray is important as what we pray. And scripture tells us, pray in Jesus' name. Why? Because Jesus said earlier, you will do even greater things than these. When you ask in my name, I will do it. So the Father is glorified. 1 John chapter 3, verse 21. Remember, this is John Jesus' beloved disciple, he writes this. Dear friends, if our hearts don't condemn us, we have confidence before God. And receive whatever we ask from him because we keep his commands and do what is pleasing in his sight. Now this is his command, that we believe in the name of the Son of Jesus Christ and love one another as he commanded us. The one who keeps his commands remains in him and he in him. And the way we know that he remains in us is from the spirit he has given us. 
I'm so thankful of how John writes this, you know, outro of this passage and saying, we know this by the spirit that he has given us. Just think about it right now, Sue, right now, you can sit here in full confidence that by faith in Jesus, you know that you know that you know that you know that you're in Christ. It's that bubbling effect that Jesus talked about. You know without a shadow of doubt, no matter what arrows are flying at you, you're secure in him. We are secure in him. And when we pray in his name, as the word tells us, we're then going to encounter no further delays, but timely outcomes. And I stress timely outcomes. It's not like fast food where you pull up to the, the window and expect to have your burger in like two minutes. Not saying God, God can do anything. But it's very different. A timely response. I would rather have a timely response than just a quick and unthought out, you know, reply. Something that definitely develops fruit in my life. And so maybe you're here today and saying, okay, so how do we further go about engaging this divine presence? We know that we engage that divine presence through prayer. So let's look at what Jesus said for just a few moments. He says this in Luke 11, verse 1. He was praying in a certain place. So there's a location. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John also taught his disciples. So he said to them, whenever you pray, say, Father, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins, for we ourselves also forgive everyone in debt to us. And do not bring us into temptation. He also said to them, suppose one of you has a friend and goes to him at midnight and says to him, friend, loan me three loaves of bread because a friend of mine is on a journey and has come to me and I don't have anything to offer him. Then he will answer from inside and say, don't bother me. The door's already locked and my children have gone to bed. I can't get up to give you anything. I tell you, even though he won't get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his friend's shameless boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he has. There's a lot of things that are happening here that we don't have time to go into, some of the language, but what I want to emphasize here is Jesus is saying, make sure you know who you're praying to, Right? You, we want to honor the name of God. When we're praying, it's to bring glory to him. It's not about us getting the latest, you know, material thing. We want, our, we want to go the distance with him. So we're asking for that resource to repel the attack of the enemy. Give us our daily bread. So he's going to give us what we need. And forgive us our sins, for we ourselves also forgive everyone in debt to us. There's this intensity of persistence and intentionality. That's what Jesus is showing us, this intentionality. That when you're persistent in that intentionality, he will give you as much as he can. So Peter writes in 1 Peter, he says that we have every grace so that we can participate in the divine nature. It's not about the length of the prayer. I've been to prayer meetings where they're like, you haven't really tapped in until you prayed for like an hour, 60 minutes. When I was in master's commission, I remember every morning at 9 a.m. we went into the sanctuary and we, and we prayed for an hour. 
And I remember in my, my youth, and it, it could have been from a rebellious spot too, if, you know, come to think of it. Um, I don't believe I was coming from that place. I just remember saying to one of my leaders once is, um, do we always have to pray for an hour? Because there's sometimes where I feel like there's been great quality there. And, um, you know, and I remember the day, like, well, we were putting in the 60. And I came to deeply appreciate the 60 at the same time because it taught you practice. It taught you this importance of maybe writing things down. Who are the people that you need to pray for? You know, when we're alert to people's needs, we, we, it's helpful to write these things down for recollection when we go to pray. But I remember how important, how that shaped my life, having that prayer time. And it became a habit to begin the morning with prayer. Now you might be here and saying, well, you know, I can't really do that. But if you think about it, it's not about the length. Again, it's about the intentionality. Even before you go into a meeting, like Nehemiah did before he came before King Xerxes, you can just for a brief moment say, Lord Jesus, would you be with me on this job site today? Would you be with me through my conversations? And I can testify to you that has, again, created so many inroads for me in meetings that I've had even recently. And I'm so thankful to say that um, just this past week, the United Church uh, offered to extend our lease for another year. And so I'm, yeah, I'm so thankful for that. Just through conversations, and we've come a long way from a year ago to now. And I tell you, prayer works. Prayer works because we're finding common ground. We're finding commonalities. Prayer is important. Look again what he says in verse 18. Pray at all times. Doesn't say pray at night. John, make sure that tonight you pray. And then the rest of the time, well, you're off the hook. No, it says pray at all times in the spirit. With every prayer and request. And stay alert with all perseverance and intercession for all the saints. Look, again, praying to Oprah ain't going to help. Praying to Dr. Phil or all these latest, you know, gurus on television isn't going to help. We have to pray to the right source. Ephesians 2.18 again says, For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So think about it for a moment. Look to the person beside you, if you will, just humor me for a moment, and say to them, you have the divine hookup. <laughs> you have the divine hookup. You're tapped into the Wi-Fi. You're tapped into the heavenly Wi-Fi, that procurement of heaven that's saying that every grace is being poured out towards you. And so today, as you go to pray, wherever, wherever you may find yourself, even as we close out this service in a matter of minutes, remember that we have this uplink. Romans 8 verse 26 says this, in the same way, the Spirit also helps us in our weakness, because we do not know what to pray for as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with inexpressible groanings. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And what I appreciate about this is sometimes we're not going to get all the words right. And if we forget, just try and get off the train of I got to excellently deliver this prayer. If we're coming from a place of this uh, intentional, genuine heart, the Spirit's going to iron it out for you, so to speak. He's teaching you how to pray. Make no mistake that it is reaching heaven. In Revelation chapter 21, I don't have this in the verses, Claudia, so don't worry about it. Prayer is like incense to God. 
It's, it's, it's caught up in it. It's a pleasing aroma to him. When, when Don prays and when Tony prays, when you pray and when you pray together, it's this sweet aroma to our heavenly father. To think that the Holy Spirit is with us as we pray, that's a great comfort. And so Paul is showing us here how essential prayer really was. At the beginning of this letter in Ephesians 1, he prayed for the people. He started off by Ephesians 1.15 saying, Since I've heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for the saints, I never stop giving thanks for you as I remember you in my prayers. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, will give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. This is something that we can do for one another, praying that we will look to him that we will have the spirit of wisdom in our decision-making processes. It says in verse 18, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what is the wealth of his glorious inheritance for the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the mighty working of his strength. There's that word, word again, immeasurable greatness of his power. That power towards us is his grace, that divine exchange, that divine river that flows in our direction. And so look what Paul says in verse 19, pray also for me. Can you imagine the people reading this letter? They're thinking, Paul wants us to pray for him? Like the Paul, like his name is becoming infamous because of his former way of living. People were afraid of him because he put people in chains. He put people in prison. He sanctioned people to be put to death. And now he's had this radical conversion. Again, when you give your life to Jesus, what happens? There's transformation. And so now they're saying, whoa, Paul wants us to pray for him. This, this man who met Jesus on the road to Damascus, who was blind, but then his eyesight was returned, and he walks in the very favor of God, he's asking us to pray for him. Cool. He's just like us. He's just like us. He's emphasizing, I need you as much as you need me. We need each other. We all need prayer. That's my final point. Everyone, every one of us needs prayer. We face varying attacks. The enemy is going to try and weave his way and again, find those blind spots. But when we pray, Jesus hears us. Remember these words in John 14. Truly I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do and even greater works than these because I'm going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, I will do it so that my Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. And so what I love about what Paul is emphasizing here at the end of this letter, this chapter, he's being genuine. He doesn't have, you know, have it all together, so to speak. He needs their prayers. He relies on their prayers. And, you know, many times, and this is something I, I humbly submit to you that's a work in progress for me, is when people say to you, hey, is there anything I can keep you in prayer? Be honest. We can always use prayer. And at times I thought in the past, well, I got to, you know, look like you got it. Figure it out. You know, if someone says, hey, is there anything I can pray for? Nah, man, I'm good. I'm good. I'm great. I mean, I'm blessed and highly favored. Amen. And I am. And you are. 
But when someone says, can I pray for you? Like, yeah, because we always need prayer. That's the one thing I really appreciate about our men's group on Tuesday nights. We just had another one. And I got to tell you, man, it's a great time. Like the time we have together, learning from the word together, hearing each one of us share different points and how the scripture is reaching out and speaking to our hearts. But then we have this time to pray with one another. And it's so powerful. We go around, there's no, you know, there's no regimental agenda the way we go about it. It's just genuine. It's authentic. And I love how we intentionally pray for one another. And I believe we're seeing results. We're seeing results. It's a wonderful thing. Just think about it. We need each other. That's what Paul's saying here in the end. He wants them to know that so importantly, he says, that I'm sending my dearly loved brother to you, a faithful servant, and he will tell you all the news about me. This is verse uh, 21. I am sending him to you for this very reason, to let you know how we are and to encourage your hearts. Peace to the brothers and sisters in love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who have undying love for our Jesus Christ. I love how just genuine and open he was. And with that, I'm going to invite the worship team to come because we want to take this time to have an opportunity to pray for one another. And as I was jotting down some words how to wrap up this message to you this afternoon, you know, there's many verses, you know, if I ask Don, you know, what prayer means to you, or if I ask Tony what prayer means to you, or Jim, you'd probably say, well, you know, this is what prayer means to me, and you'd probably pull up different verses from the Word of God, and that's awesome, and that's what we need to do. But there's one part of Scripture that I think all of us would more than likely gravitate to, and it's in Philippians 4, verse 6. Don't worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Remember that he is our armor. He's our armor. He's the one who has given that supply. He's the one that's activated that procurement, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the best breastplate of righteousness that sits on the belt of truth, who is Jesus Christ. There's a lot of um, false gospels out there that will try to misdirect you into thinking the wrong things, even to give you favor and so-called grace to engage in immorality. But in Christ, there's transformation. In Christ, there's this spiritual life. And you know how you're walking the step? Even as we looked at Galatians 5 earlier, as you're praying that the Spirit will keep you in step with the things of the Spirit, you're going to feel peace. You're going to encounter peace. Paul ends his letter that way. And look what Jesus says to us in John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Don't let your heart be troubled or fearful. Don't let your heart be troubled or fearful. Verse 24 of our, our passage, grace be with all who have undying love for our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, it's okay to not have it all figured out. It's okay. This is the beautiful thing I love about this church family. I believe the culture that we're establishing is there's hope for today. 
There's no condemnation. Make no mistake. It's, it's not about when you come here to lay a guilt trip because of this very passage. That's why it's on our banner. For, you know, he came into the world to save us from our sin, that we'd have eternal life. But it's what follows John 3.16 that's so important. God did not send his son to the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. We need each other that when the enemy is at our doorstep, when the arrows are flying, remember that shield, it's meant to lock with the other shields. We're not meant to be lone rangers. Just think of that visual. One soldier on a battlefield is so vulnerable. You can get flanked in every direction. But when you connect your shields together like a link in a chain, you're stronger. You're more prepared to go the distance. You're more prepared to face the battle at hand. That's why we have a prayer chain. That's why we have essentially a prayer wall. So when you have a need, when you bring it forward, it's, it's, it's a good thing because we can pray for one another. We can pray that the God of all hope, the God of all peace would come into your situation because he's the great demolition expert. So I wanna invite you as the worship team plays, just for a few moments, is to just tune out the things, maybe the things you know that you have to get to and just for the next few moments to pray for this family. Together we want to come together and ask the Holy Spirit to lead us to be alert to each other's needs in prayer, to lead us to be persistent in praying for those needs. I'm gonna tell you right now, I will never be upset with anyone who comes and shares, I need prayer for this, I need prayer. It's never a nuisance. There's many different ways that we can pray for one another, but right here in this house, there's something powerful. Bible says where two or three are together, there I am in your midst, Jesus says. And it's more than just about matters of discipline. It encompasses all aspects of life. And so with every head bowed and every eye closed, we want to pray together and just to call on the name of the Lord. I know it's something a little different. And as we begin this, I'm going to invite the worship team to play and to even sing. But I'm going to invite you in this place as you feel led, as you feel bold, just to even call out, pray out loud. We're going to have a microphone here at the front even that if you feel led and you feel bold, to come forward and to share a prayer for this house by all means to come forward and do so and once I f sense that we've reached a place uh, then I'll close us out and we'll be on our way but for now let's not rush this let's not rush this and so as we begin to pray remember these words for although we live in the flesh we do not wage war according to the flesh. Since the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but are powerful through God for the demolition of strongholds. We demolish arguments. Lord Jesus, we come before you. Lord, we thank you from your word that every proud thing that it's raised up against you and the knowledge of who you are, we can take it captive in your mighty name. We come against the agenda of the enemy. We come against those seeds of doubt 
And we ask, Lord, that those seeds would be replaced with fruit of faith. That you would draw all people to you, even through those circumstances and situations of doubt, situations of fear. They can see you through it all. As your word says that it's your kindness that's intended to lead us to repentance. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And as we continue to pray, there's these words that I, I want to make sure I share. It's in Hebrews 13, verse 20. Now may the God of peace, who brought you up from the dead, who brought up our Lord Jesus Christ from the dead, the great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, equip you with every good to do his will, working in us what is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord.